What's up, guys? It's your boy Jamaica here, coming at you with another episode of PD Chat. This is episode four PD Chat. Joined once again by Briar Moss. Briar Moss, say hello. Hello. Uh, we're knee deep into season eight. Uh, sorry for the delay in the things, but you know, scheduling, uh, technical issues, whatever. But we're here now. It's about uh, I think it's like week five in season eight already. But we're kind of knee deep in it. Uh, I've done a couple of deck techs so far. Briar Moss has put up some piles. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Brymoss's latest four-color brew. And then we're going to shine some light on some, maybe some, um, uh, uh, Baker T's, uh, Devastating Dreams deck. I don't know why I just brain-farted there. But, yeah, most of the talk's going to just be about, you know, decks we've been playing, our general thoughts on Season 8, and maybe some, like, unsung heroes. So, Brymoss, how are you doing today? Doing good. All right kind of cut off there it's okay we'll figure it out but um just like let's just get into it i um if you haven't been following mustard season eight briar moss loves him cruel tomatum like absolutely loves it and the craziest thing he does is try to cast him in the most ridiculous ways possible so briar moss i'll just go over your deck and talk to talk to me about your latest so, cruel tomatum build you know this is uh you've probably seen or maybe you haven't but there's generic cruel tomatum list um living lore and cruel tomatum have a really powerful synergy where if you get uh cruel tomatum in your graveyard um you cast living lore you and do any kind of combat damage at all unless the living lore dies you get to cast cruel tomatum for free which which also has the side effect of putting the living lore back in your hand so you can do it again next turn um this is basically game against most fair decks. Like even if like you cast it once, you you cast Coral Ultimatum once, and then put uh, Living Lore back in play, and they like manage to top deck removal and kill the Living Lore. Like you get far enough ahead from just one cast of uh, Coral Ultimatum that it's basically game. Um, so the rest of your deck is uh, trying to figure out what to do if either your Coral Ultimatums get extracted or um, you can't like land and stick one attack with your living lore. Um, so conventionally, the uh, cruel ultimatum has a very restrictive mana cost of uh, UU BBB RR, um, and so conventionally, you want to be like you can't run colorless utility lands, you can't um, run off color lands because you if you want to be able to cast hard cast your uh, cruel ultimatum on turn seven in the event like you don't draw your living lore or whatever. Um, or you're worried about like them using graveyard uh, hate in response to you casting living lore, um, you're kind of SOL. So working out the the mana base has been my uh, newest project because um, there's a lot of cards that aren't uh, Grixis colors that I would really like to be able to play. And uh, the one that I've been uh, testing with in the most recent pile I've, I've put up has been Acroma's Vengeance because uh, one of the, uh, I don't know, want to call it an innovation, but one of the cooler cards I've been brewing with this season has been um, Induced Amnesia, which uh, it's like a, um, is it like Tolarian Winds, I guess is the, the name of the effect. Like you do, like, there's a bunch of other cards that have you discard your hand and draw cards equal to the number of cards you discard. Um, Amnesia does the same thing, except instead of discarding it, it goes to the exile zone. And then if you figure out a way to kill your own induced amnesia, you get all those cards back. So sometimes it's good just like to filter through. Like if you have a bunch of cruel ultimatums in your hand, you'd rather they go to the discard pile, but just like getting them out of your hand so you can keep on like playing lands and interacting with your opponent until you get to that end game where you can actually hard cast it is uh so um, my, my project for now is figuring out like how greedy I can be with the mana base and um, uh, being able to both cast Cruel Ultimatum on turns like 5, 6, 7, or on turn 7, and also like have the ability to opt in to casting Acroma's Vengeance, um, which is the, the greedy card I splashed for, because clearly in your high-colored uh, requirement deck, you should always, always, always plan to splash for two off-colored six-mana sorcerers. Um, Acroma's Vengeance is great because, as I was saying, it uh, lets you draw cards off your Induced Amnesia. It also serves as a really great Rattlesnake with um, Living Lore, and because it has Cycling, um, even if you don't have the white mana available, um, it's possible uh, that you can just cycle it on turn three, cast Living Lore on turn four, and have a big Rattlesnake that uh, if your opponent attacks into it, you blow up the board and um, 
a pretty good game. So, <laughs> um, yeah, um, and I know uh, I've talked with uh, Jameka about like ways to try and talk about this audibly, but um, there's a lot of math that I'm doing trying to figure out like what the is it even optimal to have the ability to hard cast a Chroma's Vengeance? Do I want um, enough? Uh, additional lands to be able to to do that, or should I just like rely on being able to cycle it into the graveyard? Um, it's also useful that um, one of the things that with the Crawl Minimum deck you have to keep in mind is you're relatively threat light if um, your Crawl Ultimatums get extracted because um, in previous seasons you had like one or two treasure cruises, which meant that if they were wasting their turn four. Or, uh, your ultimatums, you could just start smacking them with an 8-8. Um, it's less impressive when, like, the only reasonable if uh, alternative we have is, like, Murderous Cut, and uh, so, which is only gives you a 5-5, five, five, and um, the split cards, as everyone probably knows by now, are getting lower, so... Yeah, they're bugged. To... They're bugged with uh, that. It's a really unfortunate bug, because what the bug does is that... It's a um, very... It doubles, so, like, so you have like card like far away, which is a uh, the far costs two, the away costs three. So the total CMC is five. The, the MTGO bug, for those aren't aware, is that when Living Lore exiles a creature from sorry a card with a split cost, it uh, doubles it. So instead of a five, a five five that you get a Living Lore when you exile the far away, you get a ten ten. So as per uh, uh, pain dribble rules, we don't actually allow that sort of interaction. So wah wah, <laughs> but go on. Anyways, go um, ahead. So yeah, so so um, you, you're limited in like if if a cruel tomato is extracted, you want you you kind of would like to have additional high casting costs uh, instance or sorceries that you can use to just make a fatty because as if your opponents are taking turns off to with. Uh, cruel ultimatum, then you can just start smacking them to death the old-fashioned way. Um, like, uh, in previous builds I've run um, under from underneath the floorboards to kind of fill this role, like, have additional threats that are castable off of um, of living lore, but also, like, decent on their own, and I like the idea of Akroma's Vengeance, like, taking that role. So um, that's that's kind of my, my latest uh, musings, and we'll see if it turns out to be any good. Yeah, I'm looking at your most recent list right now, and you're playing things like um, what, Michael Synth Wellspring, which, like, kind of just, like, tutors for a... It's kind of like a Sylvan Ranger, but in artifact form, but it, when it enters or it dies... Then you get a land. That's why you're playing like two planes. Which, uh, to answer your first yes. question, my opinion about do I need to hardcast Chrome's Vengeance? Absolutely, you should be able to try to hardcast Chrome's Vengeance. But the real question is, it's like what lands should you play to help do that? So right now you have like Vivid Crags and just two planes, two basic planes, which I think are the two worst cards in your deck. Or two basic planes. Yeah, it could. It could be. I mean, I like being able to search them off Microsoft's Wellspring. Um, one of the the weaknesses of this list versus the older list I'm playing is um, Sphere of the Suns is a terrible card, and I really wish we had Signics, but it is the only ramp that's available to Grixis colors. Um, artifact ramp. Well, in a deck that is planning on casting uh, a Chroma's Vengeance, so I was looking for like other ways and. There isn't really any, you know, like land ramp available for for Grixis colors, so I'm just uh, reduced to to running board sweepers and just trying to hit my land drops every turn, which is what Microsynth Wellspring does. And I, I, I think it's okay. Like, I mean, I, I get it. You know, you do want to make your land drops. You want to somehow cast a cruel to man on turn seven with planes in your deck, but um, <laughs> that's, but it's not gonna happen. That's the thing. I don't think it's like good enough you know what i mean it's like we'll see i mean the other upside of microsense wellspring is that um like turn two microsense wellspring into it uh turn three read the runes makes uh makes read the runes like a less awful card draw spell um so that i don't hate that much um the other option would be to just like lean he more heavily on a removal package like i've considered um i'm running read the runes um and this is persisted across a couple of variants uh for the combo with induced amnesia so that's another like i don't just have um a chroma's vengeance to uh 
in right. Sam Nikita. I also have Read the Runes and uh, Microsoft's Wellspring into Read the Runes makes like um, the crappy instant speed <laughs> divination. Yeah, Read the Runes. Um, basically, it's the next spell. It's an instant. Draw X cards. And for each car card drawn this way, you discard a per card, only to sacrifice a permanent. So, what Brian was trying to do is basically having all these permanents that he just doesn't really need. Like induce amnesia or the wellspring. So I mean, I I like I like the fact that like wellspring makes read the runes even better. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I don't, I just don't. I'm not digging the planes, you know. I think you'd like. So the thing about mana in the season is that it's pretty terrible. I think it's like probably the worst. We have like very few vivids. Uh, we have grand call. I don't know what the mana was like in season one, but it's definitely uh, I would say some of the worst since season two pretty pretty bad because like we uh, like like this season we have very few trilands but should we get grand coliseum can't remember another card i mean i know you don't want to play grand coliseum but you but might come coliseum, especially because like i i don't know if, if i can afford to take the damage that's what um, i was, I, I that's what I was thinking yeah, i was thinking I of replacing these planes it's like what could you do you could play like what nomad outpost maybe i don't know that seems bad i mean i could uh i, I could replace the planes and um go back to the uh Sidraxis Spectre plan. Um the problem is Sidraxis Spectre is just like very, very slow. Um and it's like it's it doesn't block well against aggro and against control decks. Um it's good, but I feel like the aggro decks are more where you have the problem and you're general strong against control. You don't think it blocks well I think it blocks like fine and if anything you get some value out of it. You don't care if it dies, because it just will come back eventually to kill your opponent, right? It's possible. Um, I mean, it, it's... I, I'm playing it because um, and I think, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong, I would play a lot, a lot of copies of a card that was like 1B, deal 3 damage to your opponent, and they discard a card. I think, I think that would be like modern playable. I think that would be a, a generally good card. I mean, that's basically Blightning, but cheaper. But yeah, a cheaper blightning. Like I would, I don't think it's ex exactly comparable to blightning because two mana is very different than three mana. Um, just in terms of like you can often double spell with a two mana card, whereas like double spelling with three mana cards is difficult. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's cheaper blightning, which would be insane, which is too overpowered. <laughs> like... So, so I, I I I really like the idea of of that being a thing. I mean, that's that's like yeah, it's like super. They'd be super overpowered, actually. <laughs> the more I think about it, that'd be crazy. So like, that, that's why I, I, like, I'm less playing it for the front half, or when I was playing it, I cut it because it's just really, like, if someone goes, like, one drop, or, you know, two power, one drop, or two power, two drop, or three power, two drop, and then, like, you're playing your Sidraxis Spectre on turn four, or, or turn three, like, even if you're on the play, it just... And they like bolted and swing in for five. It just feels really bad. Yeah, I mean it's a big tempo loss there. You just kind of like you get killed by burst lightning, and all of a sudden, well, now you're getting hit for a bunch. What's um, your what's it in your bad matchups like? Just mostly aggro decks, right? Or mostly aggro decks. Um, the I don't know if they're actually like bad statistical matchups, but um, control matchups feel great post sideboarding. But uh, pre-sideboarding, they feel awful because you're just like winning or not because you're just like you just jam threat after threat after threat and like loves you win, but like if they're that you don't like make them respond to anything until like turn five at the earliest, so they're like able to set up and like maybe they bricked, but you don't know until you know, your cruel ultimatum resolves, and then you win. So game one feels terrible. Game, uh, your sideboard package is very well set up to fight against control. Um, Negates are fantastic, Slaughter Games is fantastic, and Hundreds of Night Reach are all, like, ginormous threats that come down earlier than um, your threats do game one. So, um, well, not Negate, but Hunden and uh, Slaughter Games are just both fantastic against control. So I think, like, overall you're favored, but it's not play game one yeah it's not, it doesn't look very pretty because like your worst matchups are aggro so you should be like 
pre-boarded against aggro in some ways, like between like far I mean, away. It's you partially want to board against things you're weak against, but you also partially want to like board for the most impact. So if you have like a 40-60 aggro matchup, and like if you dedicate all 15 cards to your sideboard to making the aggro matchup better, and go to like 42. That's not that great, but if you can just have like a bunch of high impact silver bullets um, for control, that feels much better. So have yeah, those I cards because like... uh, Honda, like, there's no the, like I can run like running like additional sweepers doesn't make my aggro matchup matchup as better or as much better as running like the Hondans do against uh, control decks. And I actually, I mean, for my thoughts this season in general, I think like. Aggro is way more present. I think um, people are just finding a way to attack more than like play control. Though like the control people like bubble up. The people that do play control, like you or like uh, the Napier, the Japanese player, they like kind of just like kind of bubble up to the top because they just kind of know how to play against all these decks. These like linear aggro strategies. Uh, and then Napier was Japanese because he, he plays in the the regular he's, tournaments. He's Japanese, yeah. He stays up like all the time. <laughs> You have to think about like what time it is in Japan. I think it's like six AM or something like that. He's up like all the time or something. I don't know time zones, okay? I don't I don't know what time zones are where. <laughs> but yeah. Um but people like like you guys that like just kinda dedicate themselves to mostly control. Um I think they're like I they could like reap the rewards of just like kind of like a pretty like to me like not really all over the place. What do you what do you think of like like the top popular decks are right now? Like just in general. Top popular decks. Yeah. Um, in terms of like popularity, it's like it would good. Be like, like yeah, like good in general. Uh, like various flavors of green, white, and red deck wins would be like the two most popular decks. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And it's just like, and then like just some, like a fifty percent smattering of like just pet decks, I guess. But really, it's, it's like. like we, we we pretend we're very serious and have you know massive audiences, but like I, I'd say there are like maybe two hundred ish players, like unique. I I know Tom has the actual number somewhere, but there's like only two hundred ish or so like unique players that regularly play. So if like five people have a pet deck, like that deck is going to be represented in the meta game, even if it's not like relatively good for the season or the the uh, or spiking attorney. Right, and I I think it's like as long as I think you tune your decks to the, like just those more popular builds, and then and then if your deck is like just solid enough to like beat the random brews, you're just mostly fine. And I think that's like what kind of control um, does. I think it just like two things about this this season that are like interestingly different from last season is there's like no fast combo. Um, that like I mean I I maybe you count your pummeler deck, but like both. Uh, Hermit Druid combo decks could kill you on turn three. World Gorger Dragon combo decks could kill you on turn three, and the um, Immolating Soul Eater decks could all turn kill you on turn three uh, last season. And those are just not in the format anymore. So um, there's much less risk of uh, dying on turn three because you didn't bring the right hate. And uh, another kind of interesting change this season from uh, between this season and last season is that um, a lot of the um, really, really good, like, color hate cards rotated out, like, um, specifically uh, Light of Day and um, Compost was in last season, I want to say. Um, but, like, uh, and uh, Sphere of Law. A couple of color hate cards in sideboards. Um, like, I know people are running Havoc, but I don't even, or I think it's Havoc, whatever the, the, yeah. the red one that deals two damage when you play a white spell. But, like, like there's much less... Um, like I win the game type sideboard silver billets, which um, I don't think I think like they're both it's fine both ways, but it's a it's definitely like a notable change. Uh, oh, the, the other one, uh, Nature's Ruin, is not in um, this season, and that's always a you know big middle finger to green. <laughs> well, I, I mean, in terms of like just like color hosers, yeah, that's true. I mean, there are some like unsung heroes. Like um, well, I was playing the Enchanter deck that I showed you earlier, but I found the card Harsh Judgment. It's a Four mana, two two colors, two white enchantment. And when it's about you, choose a color, and then um, whenever um, like an instant sorcery deals damage to you to that chosen color, 
and instead deals the damage back to them. But that's crazy. That's so good, though. It's so good. That's that is color. That's like not even like flexible color hate. That's like it's just that's red. The color's red. The color's always red. Red and is it even that good? Like yes, it's so good because all they don't even do it. Just like negates the entire half of their deck, and then the other half you just deal with creatures. That's all you have to do. I guess like but compare it to like what's the orb of wording? Like I don't think it's better than yeah. I think it's I think they're different. Four mana orb of wording. It's essentially, it gives you hexproof. It doesn't, like, ignore the part where it talks about dealing damage. It doesn't deal any damage ever. It just gives you, it's like a four mana hexproof from red spells. That's really good. How's that not good? Like it is in modern? (laughs) Well, yeah, it's it's exactly like Leyline of Sanctity. It's basically awesome Leyline of Sanctity. Leyline of Sanctity, there's a reason, like, Ivory Mask doesn't see play and didn't see play before Leyline was printed. Like, well, that's I good think... thing it happened to turn zero. It's different cards. Like, that effect is, <laughs> I'm skeptical that effect is worth four mana. Um, uh, Hexproof from red does not seem worth like it's four mana to me. I've definitely played against red deck and they've instantly scooped. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, sideboard cards. Yeah, so the sideboard's like, they're less like, they're less like quality, like sort of just like F this color, F that color. But they're better they're, but they're better general cards, like you said, like negate, like slaughter games. I think slaughter games is like Yeah, negate and slaughter games are both good. Um last season we only had slaughter games. This season I think we've oh, got it. We had thought hemorrhage last season. We only had thought hemorrhage. We only had thought hemorrhage. So that was that was interesting about last season. Um this season I think we have like both slaughter games and like I wanna say Memoricide? Yeah, Memoricide's legal. We have we have we have Memoricide, Thought Hammer or Slaughter Games and Stay in the Mind. So, you know, uh it's a bad time to be like a single card combo deck. Right. It, it, it like I think Slaughter Games type cards do actually like shape them out like that. Like you said, there's no like present combo. There are combo decks, like I would consider like reanimator or combo decks. Like there's like storm much weaker this season. Yeah, like it's so like low. going from Animate Dead being the best reanimate spell to like either the best reanimate spells are like Vigor Mortis or uh what Zombify. Actual Zombify. Uh yeah, I don't think that's the best one. I think uh, yeah, you have like Vigor Mortis, actual Zombify. Makeshift uh, mannequin. Bre- the Breath the of Life. The instant um, speed. Instant speed one. Makeshift mannequin. Makeshift mannequin, that's the one. Um Yeah, I mean it's like it's 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 way nerfed this season. Like what I was trying to get at is that all the combo decks are basically like turn four to seven combo decks, and that's just like a way, a way crazier drop off than we've seen the last couple of seasons. Yep, yep. Yeah. So like, but that's that's because of like you know, and slaughter games and negate just like just kind of wreck over those decks sometimes. But um, uh, but yeah. So so all I got left is basically like aggro decks. There there are mid range decks. Um, I guess there's like. That's- uh, uh i'm still I, I assume because i haven't seen it since dominaria that um sylvan awakening doesn't actually make jeskai ascendancy overpowered because that looked super sweet i don't know i think it's like so i, I think bad i think and it a, dies to a lot of games right i think a lot of things is that um about these like combo decks is that and just about like decks that like kind of flourish or not in the meta is that they need pilots. They need like, they need like champions for the deck to really like, you know, get things going. You know, like, um, like I guess you would. I thought like cruel, uh, like living or cruel tomato was like something that wasn't like, that wasn't like not existing before you, but you definitely like took that deck to like the next level. You know, we have like ribs of night. They play like aristocrat style decks like in the past, or like when they played the Esper Blink deck, season seven. He, like, took uh, I'm kind of sad like, the the Esper Blink deck isn't good because I, as all I wanted last season was Hushwing Griff, and now we have it, and there aren't like enough uh, Enter the Battlefield creatures for it to be good. Another but, another underrated card, but um, but yeah, like decks need like pilots, and decks need like good pilots or good like champions do. Just like um, another another deck we you've played a little bit, and I'm kind of interested in is the uh, Devastating Dreams deck from uh, Baker T. Um. This deck is like 
card devastating dreams uh it's like it's a two red spell and additional cost of the dreams uh, you discard x cards from random in your hand and each player sacrifices x lands and the devastating dreams deals x damage to each creature so like his whole deck is basically built around this card of like trying to just like mitigate an advantage on his side of the board so he's playing things like i guess the latest build has a lot of artifacts in it so it has like uh, no, because there's no there's no like one mana three toughness red creature other than um nerd ape yeah inventor's apprentice which is um it's basically like a it's a curd ape but if you have an artifact it's a two three i think it has things like lupine prototype the five five that can't attack or block unless someone has no cards in their hand which is pretty easy when you just dump them all devastating dreams things like frostbird weird um you know mono blue devotion staple back in the day to one four Blood Rage Baller at 4-3. Just, like, cards that, like, will live, Apocrysite. And the whole rest of the deck is just, like, random artifacts. And just, like, random burn spells. Like, I don't get half the deck. Like, like, times where you cast Devastating Dreams, and you're like, if I top deck a land and a spell I can cast, or a land and a land, I win. That's it. It's just top decking. Because generally, like, what what happens when you cast (laughs) Devastating Dreams is you have, like, creatures and you're like like letting them all live and you put um and you have like a lupine prototype and you need to keep that lupine prototype able to attack so you activate it you get like one swing in and then you just have to hope that you draw like spells you can cast so you can keep on attacking with lupine prototype until you win let's see if that's like a super like that's a thing like i know you you've actually piloted this deck to one off tournament but and i've seen I've tried to build my own versions of this deck, and I, I just had, like, no success. Because I actually, like, <laughs> I looked at Lua Prototype, which I have played in the past in other random decks, and I just, like, completely dismissed this card. But, like, I know Baker's done well. He's played one, two tournaments. What is your experience? Okay. Is that your really experience with the deck? Like, you know, just kind of, like, hook the top deck? Or do you think this is actually, like... Well, you always here? have to... Like, you almost always have to hook the top deck, because, like, yeah. So you, you just... You, you play... Like, you'll frequently go, like... Uh, turn two, Lupine Prototype. Turn uh, three, Devastating Dreams. Discard your hand. Uh, wipe the board on your opponent's side. Swing in for five. Um, and you just have to hope that you get to keep on swinging with the Lupine Prototype. Um, so, like, like, what's your, like... When you played the deck, what was your average turn you actually cast the Dreams? Or did you wait for, like, an advantage you had on the board? Or you're just like, well, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wrath, um... wrath again on this board. It was you never. I mean, I, I don't know if this is obvious or not, but you never cast it on turn two, like ever. Um, but generally, uh, it depends on the type of deck and like what threats you thought they'd want to deploy. Like if if they were if you had a board and they were stuck on lands, you wanted to play it. If you could like get an advantageous trade, like they'd committed a bunch to the board and your stuff would live, you wanted to play it. Um, very like matchup dependent like when you wanted to play it um i never actually ran into any control decks um but that would be a kind of interesting like it seems like a reasonable test matchup. case for yeah. it seems like a reasonable no. matchup i think it's like I have no idea. Yeah. like i play like uh your red deck win matchup is great like they just we can't do anything <laughs> what what can they do <laughs> it just sucks for them um <laughs> So I I enjoyed that because most of the decks I play have awful red deck wins matchups. Um, someone was telling me they were mad because like they, they they didn't know I'd like swap decks and like turn one I play mountain, which <laughs> my cruel my cruel ultimatum deck also has mountains. So they didn't like they just you know played and then like turn two I played another mountain and lupine prototype and they were like. <laughs> <laughs> they just like speechless. It's like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, That's not good. Like, not <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? Like, I, yeah, I'm looking at your like um, your record in that one turn. You only played this one tournament. You went, you beat all the red decks, and then you lost all the green white decks, which probably makes sense for this deck. Uh, I was talking with um, with Baker, and he was saying that he thinks green white is a good matchup. Um, I think that of a uh, advent of the worm and win. That seems like a bad matchup to me. Yeah, but uh, I'll, I'll, Baker has played the deck way, 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 way more than me, so I'll I'll take his word for it if he says it's good. I mean, I guess like three threes, you don't worry, you're not worried about as so much like for a like call to herd or a call to conclude. Three conclave. threes are not worrisome yeah. at all. It's, it's like, solely that. But it, like you, if like, because normally what happens is like 
a Lupine prototype out, and you'll discard your hand to cast Devastating Dreams, which like wipes the board, lets you get in one swing with Lupine prototype, and then you're in that situation I talked about earlier, where you're like hoping to draw like a land and then a spell you can cast, rather than like a two mana spell, a two mana spell, because if you draw a two mana spell, a two mana spell, you're like you're kind of you're not putting pressure on the board, and it's bad for you while they get to redevelop. But um, of uh, the green white deck, like if they have four mana up you can't like afford to to tap out and also they have better top decks than you so it's just it's not it's not a fun place to be if like you know that like they're going to cast a worm in response like you can't not cast your devastating dreams because they'll cast the worm at end of turn anyway and that's bad for you but like feels really bad when like they have like a lanoar or not a lanoar elves like an avacyn's pilgrim a um a, like three three token and four mana up and you have like a lupine prototype like that's devastating dreams like that is the that is the uh the general place where you would cast devastating dreams but if they tap out and land uh, advent of the worm you just die <laughs> yeah i mean like it, it's i think it's a combination of the worst things you want uh a random flash spell a random five five that's pretty much it. Like, just the flash yeah, yeah, makes yeah. a five five. It's like that's that's. The... I hear that um, what's it called? Uh, is not a fun card to play against either. What, what card? I'm sorry. Woodland Wanderer. The oh yeah. Basically, basically everything that like somehow trumps the prototype. It seems like anything that's like large and comes out early yeah. is just no fun. Right. Like, you can deal with like three threes and four fours, but um. Beast Attack, it never actually came up, but I was actually also scared of Beast Attack because um, uh, the other thing that's the issue with um, the the Flash creatures is that um, people weren't doing this. So, you know, I'm just telling them this trick because this way you can beat up on Tom if you have Flash creatures. Um, you can float the mana. So if someone taps out to play Devastating Dreams, you just float the mana to play the Flash creature and play it after the devastating dreams resolves like even if it's a small flash creature it's still yeah you know on the board yeah actually one of my um my latest decks i've been trying out because i actually i'm somewhat enamored of the token deck it's all just like it's mostly flash creatures in green mm -hmm. green has a ton of flash creatures or like flash token makers or whatever so i've been kind of toying with that okay this is kind of like linear i think like i think for me in general like i, I know you've been having fun with the uh chromos vengeance Ultimatum deck, which I think, by the way, back to randomly back to Randall Crow's Vengeance, I think it's a great addition because, like, like you say, you can cycle it into like living lore, and I think it's a it's a really neat addition. But for me in general, I, I haven't had like I want to say fun. Like, if I built some like sweet looking decks between like the uh, the pirates deck, oh, the sweet pirates deck, but like the energy deck, which I think is like super underrated. Uh, but I I don't know. I've been building like a lot of like weird tribal decks that like. Are okay, not great, but I haven't been like enamored by anything, and I'm not sure if it's just me, or like, or maybe I'm just not, like finding that like sweet combo deck that I really like to play. Because you're right, yeah. combos is like so like bad. <laughs> it's not great. It's, it's like Jeskai yeah. Sentence. Jeskai Sentence act actively. I don't think I'm gonna say it. It's not good. I, I said it. Like it does win. It's not. It's, Thunder's gonna gonna hunt yeah. you down. I, I don't care. Uh, I don't think it's that good because like it just like. Flops to uh, slaughter games, and sure they have like sideboard options like Noindar, the um, the five drop guy that like makes guys or something like that, or you can just they, kill, they kill people with natural. Good, yeah, they don't have a good matchup against slaughter games. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of flops, like one of the I was excited about Mirari Conjecture, um, but I couldn't I couldn't get anything to come of it. Like it seems like if you're gonna cast Mirari Conjecture, like. Yeah. couldn't get it to work like you don't really want to tap out on turn like four or five to get an instant back it just didn't feel as good as i wanted it to feel yeah dominator has been weird like i think there's some really good cards that came out of it um the, so some of the sagas are sweet like uh like i said the more conjecture i think there is a deck for that i'm still trying to figure that out uh i think i might go hand in hand with that other card that's like blue uh precognition field which is basically like it's like a future site, but cheaper, but for instance and sorceries. So I think there's something around that. that, that I mean, it, it's interesting, but it's like, 
There's something. There's something like, there. One of the like, best things about Future Sight is being able to play lands off the top. Like, right. I, I want, I want the lands. Um, yeah. Also, keep in mind, like, um, we don't have good cantrips. Like, if we had opt, I would be much more up on precognition field. But like, the, you know, manipulating the top of your deck costs at minimum two mana. We have like no. I mean, I guess you could like play cycling cards, but like, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think conjecture. Could be good. I'm just like, because obviously there's like a loop, right? You could play if you play like um, was it like a frantic search and two call to minds when you have um the third lore counter on the saga? That's like a loop, right? That's a loop, and it'll search your deck up for either tendrils or um, like a brain freeze. Yeah, a brain freeze. Um, so fixes your mana while right. it does like so like yes, that's a loop. I built that deck um you also have addition you don't even have to use call to minds um there's also like numerous three mana green spells that do the same thing but it's like very 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 slow and like you see like the your your play sequence just isn't as good as um as like conventional locket storm is my my impression because you're casting like marari conjecture on turn four like you can't really i mean Unless you go like base green and go like pilgrim into cultivate, like it's hard to turn three, and so you're not gonna go off if you're testing on like turn four off one piece of ramp. Go off until turn six, and that's with no, uh, no interaction, and that just doesn't seem good enough for me. Yeah, like I think where I was at with the deck was that um. It's gonna be like base like blue red and like the first like five turns are just killing anything in sight or counting everything in sight. And then like once it feel like it feels like you have some sort of like control, like on turn five or six, then you just like plop the conjecture and then you just kinda like chill. And then hopefully and it's a big hope, hopefully you just have everything ready, you know? <laughs> like But that's a big hope, like you said, it's a big hope to like on that like fifth turn you just tap out and just kind of like Alright. Let's, let's try to let's try this. And then on top of all of that, like all of your work is becomes infinitely harder. Like you're not super resilient to like uh, Sentinel Totem, right? Or um, or, like, or like a disenchant effect. Yeah. Like, so there's there's lots of ways to interact with you. Well, disenchant, yeah. But I, I say Sentinel Totem because it's like one mana and every deck can play it. Like right. not everyone will have it. Right. Or like like just a, something cheap, some sort of cheap interaction that just like kind of like foils your plan. But, so cheap yeah. interaction that counters your your five five mana sorcery speed haymaker is not great. Um, but yeah, I still think <laughs> I still think Ascendancy is bad. It's not bad. It's just like I said, there's no, there's no champions. Maybe maybe it's like because I've seen like a lot. Um, I've seen a lot of like good lists. Like they seemed good. You know, they had like good tutors. They just kind of like did their thing and like. But I don't know. I I, I just it's. It's just hard to like. It's hard for me to get behind like a, a combo deck, or just a deck in general that is so centered towards like one card. Like, like that's so much. Well, that's why I think your cruelty man was so good is because you could be you could just do other things. You don't have to like cruelty man people out with living lore. You could just use it with a Chromos vengeance or something like that, or um, you know whatever. Or like with the uh, metal, the devastating dreams deck. Like you don't have to cast devastating dreams to kill your opponent. You just like. Ask the four three for two, <laughs> or like you know what I mean. It's like that's that's all you kind of need to do sometimes. Is have a four three for two or a five five for two, and then somehow dump your hand. Who knows? Like that's I think that's the I think it's the real key of like just building in general and paying dreadful is that you need like multiple lines ways of attacking your opponent because if you just have like a single plan, people just have slaughter games <laughs> and they'll just like strip it out of your hand. That's it. And the gates, and the gates, insane. Gate is, I, I, I love negate. Yeah. Um. Negate, like negate, was here. What was it? Season two and three, I think. And then it's like just disappeared. And it's like the first season back. And every blue deck I make, it just starts with four negates. I don't even know what kind of blue deck I'm playing. And it's like four negate or something. That's how I built I mean, all my blue decks. That sounds like a good strategy to me. <laughs> like. And my my like my latest deck tech, I was playing a mono blue deck. Um, I had four negates in the main deck, and they're actually kind of the worst card. But like it was still like I didn't I didn't think of less than four, 
in any of my I, blue I decks. I think there's a there's definitely a meta where I would play um like multiple multiple negates in um. It's Remember like, when I played this back in like season four? I played multiple negates. Yeah, I think no. It's just like it's the best two mana counter spell we have. There's nothing. Uh, well, no oh, way. No, no, no way around it. No, go ahead. I think that there's an argument. Good argument, but there is an argument for um. What rebuff? You could tell me like rebuff or power sync. No, I was gonna say uh, actually, power sync is not a bad two mana counter. I was. Oh, say, I know uh, you're gonna say evasive action, evasive action, the domain, the domain counter spell. Yes, right? it's good. I promise. Uh, somehow, I haven't gotten it to work yet, but I think it's good. Actually, it's okay. It's not the worst, but if you go like, I guess like it's it's the worst. It's a really expensive four spike, or power sync, or or I guess a power sync. I don't know, like. I actually did see like a five color domain deck, and I was looking at the league list. It had like basically every domain card you could ever think of, from like ordered migration to like the one card that like domain like tribal flames. So worse when you can't um uh like double dip on getting two two points out of like one uh, one card when you don't have access to to dual lands like dual dual lands power up domain cards so much oh yeah it was it was it was the craziest cultivate deck i think i've seen it was like evolving wilds cultivate and then it's like fingers crossed let's go let's not have to die here <laughs> I, I, lo I lost to a, a, a domain deck that like i mean i lost let me rephrase i lost one game <laughs> to a domain deck that somehow like pulled out legacy weapon and just like <laughs> killed me every turn and i was like this is great i love those lists that just kind of come out of nowhere and just like that's what i love playing I, was like, I was not prepared for your legacy weapon deck <laughs> I wish I could like figure out the four color mana bases though. I I really don't know how I could like do it. I, I know you're. I, yeah, I mean maybe I I I I'm I'm putting my brain to it. I, I, maybe I do need to start running some number of like grand coliseums or something. But uh, I know you read like what grand the, coliseums. I know you read those Frank Carson articles, right? About like Carson articles are great. Um, I think that they're they're a good way of uh think. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna link those to in like the. Yeah, so I'll give them free. Sure, I'll give them free advertisement. Sure, I'll do it. <laughs> no, they're great. Like, um, so we've talked about this on a couple of other shows, but I think that like, um, statistics are like very powerful tools to to figure out um what you want to do, and you don't have to like take the statistics as godsend, but you should like understand like if the math says that like this is what you need to do to get these colors on like turn x or uh or this many lands on turn y you should have like a game you should craft your deck and your game plan around like knowing that oh 20 percent of the time this isn't gonna happen because if you if you build like contingency plans into your deck crafting it'll make your um more optimal and more flexible and more powerful and i think it's um i think that in general everyone should use statistics in more places because Statistics are great. They tell you what's probably going to happen. Like, I mean, I know Frank Carson's got like a PhD in math mathematics and like crazy, like you know, statistic statistician things like that. I personally never look at stats, <laughs> like for like mana bases. I don't like. I've read these articles. I understand. I, yeah, never tell me the odds. I'm a big never tell me the odds kind of guy. I just like I throw caution to the wind. I like. I okay. I I do like have my own i just kind of like look at like you know what for me it's like i just kind of look at how many colors i have of this and how many colors of it and i just kind of figure out well i want green early I want blue late so maybe i'll have like green now and like more forests and islands i don't know i just never like think just about think it like this you I could just... instead spend several hours doing math that sounds way better oh no, no i do enough math like just playing magic in, in general feelings, Jay Mecca. oh just I, the math i have like I have the greatest like feeling stories in Magic. I think one quick story. Um, it was a standard. This way when I played standard, it was like Scars of Mirrodin standard. I was playing like a blue black infect deck. It was mostly a black deck, splashing blue. And I knew my opponent. He was playing mono red, and I was playing uh, like a blue black. And my hand was it was Island Equinox Nexus, a colorless land, and then the rest of the cards were black spells. 
Except for like, especially two Five Screen Crusaders, which is like one black, double black, one double black, two two, first strike, crow red, in fact. I was like, I snapped it off. It's like, keep. My buddy was watching me. My buddy watching me. He was just like, what are you doing? I'm like, calm down. Just, just chill out. So I kept seven with all these black spells. I draw swamp, swamp, and I just, I just proceed to destroy my opponent. So like, I don't like, I don't like odds. I don't, like, don't ever tell me odds about things. Cause like, I just like, I don't know. Just, you just top deck sometimes. and you win. Like, what are the odds of that? It's like, I don't, I don't need to know. Cause I did yeah. it. I was there. We can figure it out. <laughs> I was definitely there, but yeah, I mean, statistics were for some people. Like, I know, like you and like Baker are really big about. It. I just, I have my own system. I don't know. There's so many different ways you could like approach this game, but like the numbers, the numbers game to me is like, I can, I can never like really truly like get behind that because maybe because like, I like the idea of like, it's like concepts and ideas are like this is what you should do, like. I, I don't know. Maybe I just don't like. I think like magic can be played and, or decks can be built so many different ways. But I don't. Maybe I don't like just being told what to do. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck you, numbers. Yeah. You are my mom. Exactly. Like, uh, I'll do what I want. I'll do what I want. But no, I think it's just like just like the structure in general. It's like you know, oh, okay, you have like fifty-seven, like sixty-five percent red spells and like twenty percent blue spells. So they should play X mountains and this. No, no. I, I'll figure. Maybe I want a little more islands than that. Maybe it's like maybe I just want a couple more, you know? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just. I disagree with that. I think you should you should do the math, and then if you deviate, you should de you should like be able to articulate the reasons why you're deviating. But like without further reasoning, the math should tell should guide what you do. I'm just like a. I'm just a Neander Neanderthal. That's what I am. I really am. But or or either a Neanderthal or Yugi Moto, one of the two. Yeah. Oh, heart of the cards, guide me. I wish. I don't know how he carries that gigantic metal chain around him all the time. That's going to be heavy, like 10. He's having neck problems. All right. Um, I think it would be more back problems, probably, depending back on problems? Like, where it rests. Yeah. It also depends on how heavy it is, too. It's just like a puzzle, right? But, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's solid metal. You could See, if you wanted to, you could use math to figure out the dimensions and figure out how much it weighed based on the assumption of what metal it was. <laughs> How does clothes grow too? Oh, okay. This is not a Yu-Gi-Oh chat. This is not a Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> this is not a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. This is a magic. It's, like, it's okay. Magic. Done. Yeah. Magic. Yes. Just the guy with magic. It's magic. The end. We're talking about season eight. We're not even talking about season eight anymore at this point. The pun. It worked both ways. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So that's. So we we hit the high notes. We hit. Um. We hit my my pile of <laughs> the high. We hit my pile of garbage. We hit Baker's deck. We talked about how great math is. You said some uh, Ludite stuff about how math isn't the Lord and Savior of everything. Um, and, you know, we can cut that all out. Um, is there anything else you wanted to cover? I, think... I don't know. I think we're. I think it's it, really. I have a shorter podcast, but. That's okay. We'll, we'll I know you want to rant. You want to rant. Just rant. I know you want to rant about, like, lands we can't have. Because, like, I think, like, mana is such a big issue, but. I know there are a I bunch of lands that we don't. Have. I just, know you want to. Uh, I didn't want to talk about it. About the the SOI shitlands might come in next season, or what, at least what are those? Shitlands. What are those lands? I don't even know what you're talking about, actually. Shitlands, also known as the SOI handlands or the shadowlands, are the um, cycle from Shadows Over Innistrad that um, come into play tapped unless you reveal a um, uh, like one of the two colors of. That it, that's comprised of one of those two basic lands from your hand, um, and so they're absolutely terrible compared to any like real duel because, um, like, kind of like uh, if you look at the tribal lands, the tribal lands are significantly better because if you top deck them and you have like the threat that you want to play in hand, they're meant to like encourage you to play tribal threats because you can you'll have the threat in hand and you'll draw the land off the top or and be able to reveal the threat and then like play it that turn whereas the um lands only help if you're like sandbagging only matter if you're like either sandbagging opposite color lands or it's just like really early turns in the game so they're they're much better at like enabling um aggro decks to do things turn one than they are like control decks 
But um, that being said, um, the four of them are currently a penny now, and I'm super like hopeful that they come in next season because they would by far be the best dual lands we'd ever have access to um, if they if they were to to come in, despite being bad for all the reasons I mentioned. Whoa, whoa! What about Auntie Topple? What about Cryptic Crossroads? What about Ally Encampment? You don't like all those lands? <laughs> they'd be better. They'd be drastically better than all those. Um, I don't know. Maybe someday we can we can dream about getting um, the Tendo Ice Bridge. That's Energy Aether Hub. Aether Hub, yeah, Aether would be pretty sweet. I mean, Aether like... Hub would be way. Aether Hub is actually, I would say, significantly better than. Um, oh yeah, by far. Wildlands. By far, um, absolutely. Like, I mean, the four he was talking about, a uh, Choke Estuary. I'm not going to name the names. You're not going to know the names. Uh, the blue black, red black, uh, green white, and red green. The only one that's two cents is uh, the blue white one. But um, yeah, I mean that'd be I, cool. Again, this is this is more of a Hope Springs Eternal thing. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want anyone to get overly excited. We're, I just we're way uh, we're way far away from that. It was like that's like we got I don't know what how long is this season? This is actually a shorter another, season. It's but, like uh, five, four weeks, five weeks. Check. Uh, six weeks, three days. So we have six weeks, three days left for this season. But there's still more things to come. Um, yeah. I'm still trying to find that deck. Um, and I and I know uh, Brian Ross here is gonna still like truck along with some sort of cruel tomato list, I'm sure, or just if I'm, unless I'm like winning on turn three or four, like I can't imagine anything I want to be doing more on turn seven than casting cruel ultimatum. <laughs> God, I, I wish I could find a turn three deck. I think like that's why I'm playing the energy deck, honestly. The regular energy deck. Like, we, we were talking about how the only there's like in any infect creature and like three giant growths turn threes or the uh the, the the worst turn three we came up with was uh shuko into um genist into um into uh oh. locket of yesterday's into psychic spiral oh, which sounded no that's, that's this is easy um turn three all right no it's turn four. oh crap because crackdown console you have to actually cast that that's turn four. Plus, no, yeah. I was thinking some sort of like Shuko Crackdown Conflict fling deck. That's like a turn four. Yeah, no, you got to do turn three. Turn three or doesn't count. <sighs> all right, we'll talk about that next time. Yeah, that's tough. But we're signing off. Thank you all for listening, and yeah. uh, we'll be back later this season. Yeah, they didn't let me do the outro. Uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, this this uh podcast will be on Google. Uh, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So if you want to check those out, check all the links. Uh, all the decks talked about today will be in the show notes. But and all my uh, Twitch, my YouTube, uh, will all be in the show notes. Mostly J underscore Mecca. Thank you. Very much has no sort of social media presence whatsoever. But and one day I'll make one day I will make a podcast email so we actually respond to emails. That's one thing I want to do in the future. Is like maybe like a Maybe like a grab mailbag episode, that'd be pretty great. But anyways, thanks guys for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Take it easy.